Good morning. Welcome, everybody who's in this room. Hello, everybody who's tuning in via the live stream. So glad that you're here. Uh, anybody who's tuning in while you're in your deer stand, stay safe and uh, come come back to be part of the uh, of, of the community. Share your uh, sh share your stories, uh, and 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 may God protect you. Um, we've been talking a lot about character development, and even these last couple of weeks, the word shame has come up, and we've talked about healthy shame that leads to greater joy and 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 connection versus a uh, an unhealthy shame that's that's really used to. Uh, uh, kind of control people or keep them feeling like uh, they should be held down, like they're not good enough. And um, as we talk about concepts like that, and we don't have a, a ton of time to spend on those things, you may feel like you want to dig a little deeper, or you may be running into some kind of a uh, a mental or emotional or behavioral rut, and we've got within our community, within our, our church, uh, we've got a great resource, uh, professional counselor Linda Larson Schlitz, uh, and she has said, Aaron, I, I can help anybody who wants to take a next step in this, uh, in 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 these areas that you've been you've been talking about, so um, LindaLarsonSchlitz.com is a, a great way to learn more about her, her ministry, and um, how to get in touch with her. She would love to, um, she'd love to help you get out of whatever rut you're finding yourself in. A good godly person, and uh, Kenya is uh, is is. Coming up, uh, a, a trip, man, it's like it's coming up way too fast. We're like two months, uh, <laughs> um, two months out. Uh, great relationship with the folks in Kenya, though, where we're, uh, we've just got this amazing opportunity to see what it looks like where lives are being transformed, where disciples are multiplying, where barriers are being crossed, where bridges are being built to people, groups who have never heard the name of Jesus before. Uh, we have a chance to help support, encourage, help them along, and learn from them about how do we see that kind of transformation and multiplication happen here. And one of the ways that you can be involved in that is uh, we, we're, we're going to start raising some funds in order to uh, accomplish some things there, put up uh, a new uh, kind of simple shelter that will serve as a training center for the particular people group who we've been involved in, who we've sort of uh, adopted. So we're going to work on raising uh, a few thousand dollars between now and the end of this year. And the, the great opportunity that you have is for contributions that you make, you can get a, a super cool card. I saw the art this week. It's been a rough couple of weeks, honestly, you guys. Um, it turns out that that was more than just me losing my voice last Sunday. I was actually pretty sick. So uh, things aren't moving along as quickly as I would hope. I wanted to show you the art today. 
uh, but a, a Christmas card with art by our very own Rachel Allen uh, that looks beautiful. We've got um, bracelets that when Jacqueline and I were in Kenya last year, we purchased, I don't remember how many dozens and dozens of these bracelets so that uh, as, as you make a contribution, you can have this as a reminder to pray for the people in Kenya. You could give it as a gift. So I'm inviting you, I'm asking you to please, uh, as we are on the verge of Black Friday here, please pray about and determine uh, a budget that you can set aside to support the work that we're involved in in Kenya, and you'll have these uh, th these cool things that then you can give as gifts and let people know that a donation was made uh, uh, on, on their behalf. Um, another thing I want to make sure you know about and, and, and get involved in, um, it, it is uh, Thanksgiving week, and we're going to feast on Thursday. Uh, before Thursday, I want to encourage as we've been a, a church that's about emphasizing prayer over the last few years, I want to encourage you, take Tuesday to fast before you feast. This Tuesday, we're encouraging everyone at New Day to uh, eat less or not at all uh, for a certain amount of time. Now, you can determine what that amount of time is. What, what I'm planning to do is to not eat anything for breakfast, for lunch, and then to get involved in the online prayer gathering, 6 p.m. on Tuesday. And um, Jacqueline is uh, uh, someone you can talk to about getting the link uh, to, to be on that Zoom call. If you're in the chat, just say, hey, I would like to get that link. Um, and then at 6 p.m., we will uh, we'll pray together in, a, in, in an online call. And then after that, I'm going to eat some stuff. But that day, I'm going to let my hunger be a reminder to me that, yeah, I have appetites. Uh, and, and when my stomach growls, it's going to tell me, you, you need to do something here. And instead of just responding to my appetite, I'm going to let that be my reminder to pray that God provides everything that I need. Um, a, a reminder to, uh, to, to pray for Kenya, a reminder to pray for New Day, a reminder to pray for people who are sick or who are hurting, a reminder to thank God for everything he's done. So fasting before feasting this Tuesday November 21st. Let's not go any further without praying right now. Uh, God, we do think about the people who are, uh, who are normally uh, in, this, in this room, uh, who, are, uh, who are out hunting. We pray for their safety. We pray that this time where they're out in your creation would actually be a, a time where their hearts are drawn close to you, Lord. And we pray for those people who are, uh, who are not here because they're wrestling with some kind of a, a sickness. We pray, God, for you to give them strength 
for you to give them healing, Lord, so that they can continue the ministry that you have for them. Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So a question that I get asked sometimes uh, when people know that I'm a pastor, they like to ask me uh, about what is a sin and what isn't. And uh, it seems like that should be really, there, there should be some clear answer, like, well, let's just see what uh, the Bible says about that. Even churches, though, uh, historically have had a hard time with this. Like, there's this controversy when things change in a church culture. Like, the, some of us lived through the worship wars where churches were saying, well, we, we need to be more relevant um, and, and our music is music that people don't typically listen to. So we need to start involving maybe a guitar and, um, and maybe, maybe a, a drum set. You mean the devil's instruments? You know, like uh, it was a big deal. Like, no, that's, for, that's the world's instruments. That's not what we do here in the church. And yet... Uh, what a lot of people were saying, what we do in the church is we have an organ. I mean, we put so much money into this organ. In the 6th century, though, uh, the organ was an instrument that was only used in secular worldly music. And it got introduced into the church and there was a lot of controversy. We can't do that. We're just conforming to the world if we start using an organ. So th these controversies go on. So it, like, was using an organ, was it, as some people claimed, was it a sin in the 6th century? Is using a guitar or a drum set, is that a sin in, in, in our sacred space, our, our sacred worship? Are those unclean tools? Some people say, yeah, it's, it still is. So was it a sin then and it's not anymore? Do the rules change? Let's get like even more practical and, and specific. And I'm not picking on anybody here. We're just going to throw out some examples. Like, what about smoking? Is that a sin? Well, what about vaping or chew. If nicotine is the issue, then wouldn't caffeine also be an issue? If I cut out caffeine because it's a drug, what about caffeinated soda or tea or chocolate? I know I'm getting real personal now. It's just like once you start saying, well, this is a sin, you go, well, why is it a sin? Well, because it has, it has a, a, a drug in it. Okay, let's talk about chocolate. Uh, what about drinking alcohol? Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, and I don't think it was because he was drinking root beer. Now, I, I, he never got drunk. He had wine, though, and people even like to argue about it wasn't actual wine. It was grape juice and uh, Okay. I'm pretty sure he drank wine. So does that mean that it's okay to drink alcohol? Well, 
who? At what age? What about people who have a substance abuse problem? Is it okay for them? Because I, I, I think it might not be. So can something be a sin for some people and not for other people? That's confusing. What about how far is too far in dating? Where does it say that in Scripture? So we navigate life trying to understand the rules and sometimes follow them and other times acknowledge there seems to be a rule here. However, I'm just going to follow my heart in in this particular case. People generally decide what they want to do and then they use Scripture or they use some of the things that they've learned in order to justify it. That happens all the time. This morning I had to decide what to do for breakfast, and the voice of my uh, functional medicine coach, Carrie, comes into my mind where she goes, it's best to start your morning with a lot of protein. Uh, Within one hour of waking up, you should really get a lot of protein in your system, and and so I'm looking at the non-fat, plain Greek yogurt, and uh, and and typically I'll put some like granola on it so that it's not awful. And she says that's that's a good choice. There's a lot of protein in that, and I'm saying um, Reese's Puffs is made with real peanut butter, so. <laughs> I actually literally this morning, I checked the protein of Reese's Puffs, and it's not, it's not even close to Greek yogurt. It's not, not even close. And I was like, well, but I am going to pour the extra creamy oat milk onto it. No, it doesn't even help all that much because the extra creamy oat milk doesn't have near the protein of, of actual dairy milk. So my conclusion was, and this is the way The human brain works, by the way. People are not good. Uh, I just need to eat more of it then, um, was my conclusion. I need to, uh, in order to have as much protein as Greek yogurt, I need to eat more Reese's Puffs this morning. That's the sacrifice I'm willing to make for my own health. Uh, But that's, I mean, we, we operate that way. Even when we know the right thing to do, we find a way around it. So maybe is that a sin? Maybe that's not the right question to help us navigate living through uh, uh, or, or living a, in, in a right relationship with God. So if what should I avoid isn't the right question, maybe the right question is what should I do? What must I do? So there's a guy uh, who had that thought and had an encounter with Jesus. That's what we're looking at today in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now this guy was excited because at this time in this culture, running is undignified. Uh, People, that's like, you don't run. Uh, Don't ask me why. It showed, though, that he was willing to be embarrassed 
to get a, a wise answer from Jesus. He was really excited. And his question that he's asking is about inheriting eternal life. This reminds me of a passage that we looked at last week, Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul, the apostle, says, let me tell you again, as I've done before, that anyone living that sort of life, and this is after he listed a bunch of, uh, of, of sinful appetites, if you're following these sinful appetites and you're seeing the results of those sins, he said, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this guy is running up to Jesus saying, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And we see Paul, the apostle, talk about inheriting the kingdom of God. And this is how people talked about eternity in scripture. We typically say something more like, um, uh, how can I make sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die? But the way when we read scripture, people talk about it, is based on promises of a time when God's justice and peace will flood the earth. It's not about dying and then going and living in the clouds and playing a a harp, which, by the way, is a stringed instrument, which is a lot more like a guitar than an organ. But uh, those arguments, those are for for the 80s and 90s. Um, people who read scripture see these promises and, and instead of imagining dying and then living in the clouds, they're seeing that heaven and earth will become one, that the dead, there will be a day where the dead are raised and judged and the righteous will be raised to eternal life in this renewed creation, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the unrighteous will enter a second death, or hell. So this guy runs up to Jesus and wants to know what he has to do to be in a right relationship with God now so that he will be counted among the righteous on judgment day and will be part of God's eternal kingdom. What must I do? Jesus begins his answer, as he often does, with a question. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Now that seems kind of random. It's not. Jesus says so much here. Only God is truly good. The implication is that people, people are not truly good. It's like he's saying to this guy, you're not good, and I'm not good, unless one of us is God. Only God is truly good. Good. So Jesus confronts him with this reflective question, why do you call me good? Are you just trying to flatter me? Or do you believe there's something really godly about me? Then in verse 19, Jesus, after giving him that moment of reflection, continues, but to answer your question, you know the commandments, you must not murder, 
You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. So here's a helpful list of sins to avoid and one positive thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is an interpretation of six of the big ten commandments. And the Ten Commandments were more than a suggestion for living a respectable moral life. They're part of a contract, a covenant. God made promises to the Israelites that he would keep as long as they kept their end to honor him by living according to those commands. Verse 20, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. So this man sees himself as doing what is clearly necessary to inherit the promises of God, including eternal life in his renewed kingdom, and yet he still feels like something is missing. He wants to be sure. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So this man had successfully lived a respectable life. He avoided the big sins and even though He avoided what he shouldn't do. He felt like something was missing that he should do. And also, the six commands that Jesus brought up are the ones that focus on loving other people. The other four commands of the Big Ten focus on loving God. Don't have any gods before me. Don't Make any idols to worship. Don't take my name in vain and honor the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So this guy says, well, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's like Jesus says, well, congratulations on not murdering people or stealing from them. Now, be generous to the poor. By the way, maybe those possessions have become idols in your life that get between you and God. Get rid of them. Oh, and remember when you called me good? Well, you were right. I am God in the flesh. Turn away from the life you know and follow me. So so to recap, Jesus says there's one thing. There's one thing you haven't done. One A, sell your possessions. One B, give everything to the poor. One C, follow me. That's the one thing. Verse 22, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So he arrived excited. He went away sad. The bar that Jesus set was too high for him at that time. So this man's quest ended in disappointment. All of us are on a quest. We have all 
tried following our hearts on that quest and found ourselves lost. We have all tried following the rules on that quest and found ourselves empty. We've all pursued happiness and then ended up wondering what happiness really is. We've pursued holiness and fallen short over and over. And and by the way, if this is something you're hearing me say and you're not relating to it and you're saying to yourself, no, actually, I'm good. Jesus disagrees. Only God is good. If we say that we're not missing the mark, we are lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. Those of us who are being honest wonder, like uh, the man who ran after Jesus, what is the right next step? What can I do that really matters? In a world that changes so fast and pulls me in so many directions, how do I live right? The answer to us is the same as it was to that man. Turn away from the things you're pursuing. Follow Jesus. Let go of the possessions that possess you and hold tightly to him. What we find is that Jesus is the fulfillment of our quest and the beginning of a new story. We join his story. That's how to live right, to be in right relationship with him. That is righteousness. So what does this look like in reality? Well, let's quickly, we'll review some of the ground that we've covered in this series. I know it's been kind of a a long series. Things are going to be different, and we've gone to a lot of different places. This is just a, a quick recap that living right is about more than following rules. It looks like hearing the teachings of Jesus and putting his teachings into practice. It looks like acknowledging our old sinful patterns that we use to move away from hurt and move towards pleasure and consciously practicing new patterns that are honoring to God. It looks like being part of a community that's committed to cultivating Christ-like character together. We need each other. It looks like experiencing gratitude and joy with God and with each other that reaches beyond our conscious minds and opens us up to letting God rewire our identities. It looks like establishing a a group identity, an agreement about the story that we're a part of that's based on the character of Christ that allows us to lovingly encourage and lovingly correct each other. It looks like nurturing a culture that guards against unhealthy character patterns that pull us off course. We're going to be amazed where we end up as we follow Jesus 
one step at a time. Do you guys, do you have any idea that the world long jump record is uh, like right around 29 feet? 29 feet. How far is, how far is 29 feet? I wish I had measured it before we, uh, like how far along this About the, okay, so, all right. It's, that's insane that somebody can fly through the air 29 feet. There are very few people in the world <laughs> who can even get close to that. Were we to watch someone do it, it would be easy to say, uh, it doesn't matter how much I practice, I'm not going to be able to do that. And, you know, we see it, and, we, and like this, Man who approached Jesus, it seems like, well, that's insurmountable. I, I, I just have to walk away sad because I'm not going to be able to, to, to do that. Even the people who can do it, it takes everything out of them. By the time they have jumped 29 feet, they're not going to jump again for a while. Like, it's, it's not something they just do all the time. It takes a lot. Now, what if, though, someone asked, can you walk 29 feet? Well, yeah. Yeah. If all I have to do is walk, I can go 29 feet all day long. <laughs> like, I could even get to the end. I could go all of 29 feet. And if you asked me, to go another 29 feet, I think I could dig deep and actually and go and double that amount. I think I think I could probably walk nearly 60 feet on the same day. I mean, it's just like it seems silly when we start to think, well, one foot after the other. Sometimes we just, we think I, I've got to do everything all at once and be perfectly righteous now. And we walk away sad because it seems out of reach. Jesus has already done what no person could ever do, resisted every temptation, consistently lived in a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. He has already made the jump, and then built a bridge. A bridge of righteousness for us. He invites us to walk it consistently towards eternal life in the kingdom of God. He has already done the hard thing, and he just says, okay, now, just follow me. Just walk. Walk in the right direction consistently enough that it becomes second nature to you. None of us is living in perfect Christ-like character, so we all have some things to do on that path that are going to feel unnatural at first, and over time, things are going to be different. He will transform us by renewing our minds. 
That's why we're doing things differently at New Day. 2020 and 2021 showed us that a lot of people who've been around churches for a long time resorted to hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. The things that Paul the Apostle says, people living like this aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. People who've been around churches for years and decades resorted to those things. Even though they subscribed to right beliefs and they lived religious lives, somehow their beliefs and their religion hadn't transformed their character. So your leaders at New Day have studied what God is doing in places where New Testament transformation and multiplication is happening to get today, like our friends in Kenya, and we see some patterns that we can learn from. They're emphasizing prayer. So for years now, we've been emphasizing prayer. Prayer and fasting this Tuesday. Get on board with it. That's a step you can take that's very attainable and moves you in a direction of starting a new pattern that's in the footsteps of Christ. Fast before you feast. Small groups are doing more than simply opening and closing prayer in their time together. We're sharing our gratitude to God and we're praying over the challenges that we're facing. And small groups are are, are coming together even outside of their small group meeting time and sharing challenges and praying with and for each other. It's becoming the way we do things, right? Our character is changing. Our patterns are changing. Emphasizing prayer. Where New Testament transformation and multiplication is happening, today we see that they're emphasizing learning from God, immediately obeying and sharing with others. So we have this pattern, this rad pattern of reflection, application, and discussion that we're practicing on Sunday mornings, and it didn't feel natural to incorporate that to a lot of people, to incorporate that into a Sunday morning. And as it becomes second nature, we're becoming a church of people who can navigate a changing world because we've practiced going to God for direction and following him, regardless of the pressures around us. Where New Testament transformation and multiplication are happening today, we see that there are supportive relationships where encouragement and correction can happen. It didn't feel natural at first to sit around tables on Sunday mornings and have spiritual conversations. As it becomes second nature, we're becoming a church of people who can naturally have spiritual conversations around other tables, at home, at work, at school, at the restaurant, or coffee shop. Where New Testament transformation and multiplication are happening today, we see intentional crossover, crossing paths with people who are not connected to Christ or to the church. It didn't feel natural to start conversations in the community, listening for needs that may be there and could be a way to connect people to the love of Christ. Some of us got kind of our first taste of that 
with uh, with Revive Wisconsin. And did that feel unnatural? Yes, yes. For some of us, uh, the the whole idea is still uh, it's, it still feels intimidating. However, at the same time, it's it's becoming second nature to do service to people, to think about what are the challenges that people are facing and to come alongside them because our small groups do that. We do that in backyard missions. We're becoming a church of people who see where God is building bridges for the love of Christ to be announced to people who are ready to receive him. We're doing things differently because even though the old way felt good and and comfortable and there was nothing inherently wrong with it, it wasn't resulting in the transformation and multiplication that is the mission that Jesus gives us. So, as things are going to be different in the world, we are going to navigate it with the character of Christ because we are becoming transformed people. Because we are maturing towards perfection as we follow Christ together. Now, he doesn't wait for us to be perfect. He has lent us his righteousness. We are seen by the Heavenly Father as righteous because we believe in him. I want to be clear about that. And then he changes our character into the type of humanity that he designed from the, from the beginning, the type of humanity that Jesus modeled for us, and the humanity that is going to last forever in the kingdom of heaven. He invites us to start practicing that now. So take seriously the invitation to pray and fast on Tuesday. Put it in your calendar. Take seriously the gift of reflection time and developing an I will statement. Think of these as small steps, not to earn you righteousness, small steps to live out the righteousness Jesus has already purchased for you. Let's practice that rad pattern of reflection, application, and discussion right now. That pattern that's going to make it so that you don't, have to constantly be asking, is this a sin? Is this a sin? Is this? You'll have a character where your second nature is to honor God with your life, and your pattern will be to go to him for direction, to follow Jesus as you yield to the Holy Spirit. We're practicing that as we take this time to reflect And ask God, what are you teaching me today? And to respond with what you're willing to do about it. Now, I I say this every week. And every week, there are so many people who uh, don't actually come out of this time with a statement that begins with the words, I will. I know that. Maybe you've seen that as insurmountable or unimportant. I'm encouraging you, take a step. Push yourself a little bit further. Take this time to reflect. 
and consider, what will you do? A, a small step this week in response to what God is teaching you now. And if someone comes to mind who you would share that with, write that down too, because in a moment, after a few minutes, we're going to discuss that together. So take this time to reflect. What is God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? And who will you share it with? Um, man, that was so easy because I like started reflecting. I was like, what will I do in Oh, I'll fast and pray this Tuesday. I'll do that. It's a little more difficult uh, thinking, okay, now who am I going to share this with? So um, I had a good time with God in, in reflecting on that. I hope you had a good time with God, just for those, uh, just for those few minutes, and again, we're practicing. We're practicing patterns that then can go out, not just a Sunday morning pattern, uh, a pattern where when you're facing challenges, you take a moment and reflect and go, God, what are you teaching me here, and what do you want me to do about it? Um, 
we will be such transformed people as we continue to practice that. I'm, I'm very excited to hear your testimonies. Now we're going to take time to uh, discuss, to share with other people, because this, folks, takes it to another level. You think something internally, like um, what I really need to do is eat more Reese's Puffs, and, uh, and you can justify that to yourself. Um, when you start to say things out loud, they sound a little, um, a, a little more real, and, and, uh, and, and they give us an opportunity to encourage each other or to ask questions. So take this time to discuss. And if you're, uh, if you're in your deer stand or even if you're listening to this after the fact, you can send a message uh, um, uh, like a direct message on our Facebook page and just share like here's uh, you know here here's this thing that God is teaching me and here's what I'm going to do about it and and let us be an encouragement to each other. So, do that and we're going to uh, catch up with you after the fasting and after the feast and after the fun of Black Friday. Uh, we'll catch up with you next Sunday. Take this time to uh, discuss what you're going to do this week.